Oh yeah, one more time we're gonna celebrate. Oh yeah, all right, don't. Oh, I can't even get that one right. I can't, I can't sing electronic songs. <laughs> This is the Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. Hi there and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. One more time, it's Monday, October 1st, 2018. I am Eric. He is Tristan. Thanks to producer Anthony Kalatayud. Thanks also to season to a lot of other people. We'll name them a little bit later on. This is our last show. Uh, game number 163 for four of the five and our playoff teams, which is going to be awesome today. Right, Tristan? I'm looking forward to watching oh, baseball all day. Oh, yeah. One more time we're going to celebrate. Oh, yeah. All right. Don't. Oh, I can't even get that one right. I can't, I can't sing electronic songs. <laughs> um, we should note, okay, for people that are listening, I guess you wouldn't hear otherwise. Um, the, the regular season ended on Sunday for most fantasy baseball leagues, including those at ESPN. So no matter what Christian Yelich does today or Walker Bueller, it will not count for fantasy championships. Thanks to so many people who have reached out to us on Twitter or other places thanking us for the season, uh, for helping them win their leagues. No, you did it yourselves. Um, so, you know, competing to the end or just for simply enjoying the podcast. Thank you for listening. We have enjoyed it some, sometimes a bit too much. Uh, that's probably not the last time you're going <laughs> to sing on today's show. So, can you give not. us a, an annual, like, We Are the Champions? How many leagues did you win, Tristan? Oh, I have three, and one is up for grabs. And, yeah. Really? I'm three. Pretty... So which three leagues did you win? Uh, so I won my home points league. Uh, I won my home NL only league. I won the office okay. league. All right. And, yeah. and the one that is up for grabs is an NL Tout. Did NL Tout. Did win that? It's madness. It is actually, uh, it's coming down to the craziest finish I've ever seen. And you and I know we've had a lot of them. But Steve so Gardner what, what? from USA Today has a one point lead on me. And it's effectively going to come down to whether Herman Marquez gets a win today, pitches well enough to beat Walker Bueller. So go Rockies. <laughs> and hi, Steve. So you, so you have Marquez. Okay. I have Marquez. He, he, with a Rich Hill win yesterday, he took a one win lead on me in tout. There's a lot of categories up for grabs and a lot of players still in play for several, like runs is in play. Homers is an outside chance. ERA is majorly in play. Uh, I could tie him in wins if Herman Marquez gets a win or if Kenley Jansen or Corey Knable somehow figure, factors into this. And what was the other? Uh, runs, I said runs scored and stolen bases is a, an outright possibility. So it's, it's madness. I mean, I'm going to be enjoying those two games today. All right. You? Well, uh, well, no, my season's over. I don't have any leagues that are still playing for something. All my leagues are done. Um, I did win a league. It was nice. A couple other leagues. I mean, I can't beat you, obviously, in the office league. I finished third there. But uh, it was a fun season. I enjoyed it. It's You know, people have been complaining about the Phillies for the last six weeks, and I've been saying, you know what? They ended up winning 80 games, okay? Did I expect them in March to win 80 games? Not really. It was about the journey. And for four months, it was a great journey. In fantasy, for six months, it was a great journey. We have lots to discuss on today's show. First half, as always, we'll talk about the players and the stats. Second half, the hash browns. Uh, thanks for sending them in all season long. For now, here is the buzz. <laughs> And before we get into it, today's episode of Fantasy Focus Baseball is brought to you by MeUndies. I always thought that MeUndies was that really cool underwear brand with the fun, crazy prints, but it wasn't until I actually tried them on that I realized that, wow, they are seriously the most comfortable thing I have ever worn. 
They use a micromodal fabric, which is a full three times softer than regular cotton. I couldn't believe how soft these things were. It's the exact fabric you're going to want down there. They release multiple fun prints each month in matching socks and bralettes. My personal fave, the glow-in-the-dark jellyfish. You can even get a matching pair with your partner. 100% satisfaction guarantee. You're going to love these undies, but if you're not into it, just send them back for a full refund. MeUndies just launched a brand new membership. You can level up your top drawer with new undies each month. Members gain access to exclusive prints that no one else can get. They get special member pricing on every product MeUndies makes. And you can switch styles or skip any month you want. MeUndies has a great offer for fantasy-focused baseball listeners. For any first-time purchasers, when you purchase any MeUndies, you get 15% off and free shipping. This is a no-brainer. Get 15% off a pair of the most comfortable undies you will ever put on. To get your 15% off your first pair, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash FFB. That's MeUndies.com slash FFB. All right, ever so briefly today, Tristan, the two games that do matter for obviously for some people, including yourself, uh, Marquez versus Bueller, and Chassin is going to start from Milwaukee against Quintana. Uh, short leash is there, I would presume, uh, any trouble early on. You know what's interesting about this is they're all in the playoffs. The loser of these two games has to play tomorrow in the wild card game. Yep. Obviously, you want to win the game, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess like Marquez and Bueller, they can go 100 pitches. It's, it's a very different games here, and obviously a lot of hitters that are be Christian Yelich going for a triple crown. That's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. Any thoughts on these two games for people that are still playing or for DFS purposes? Other than I love baseball, I, I'm so happy we have two games like this. Uh, the safety net factor of having a wild card game on the following day, I think, is going to make it highly likely that bullpens are called on early and often, especially in the first game in the Brewers and Cubs, as you mentioned, Eric. I think those two pitchers are the ones who are a little bit iffier. Uh, I, one thing that does intrigue me, and I, I mean, I'm saying this as a guy who has to root for Marquez anyway, we mentioned about the extreme home road split, and I wonder whether being on the road in this game is going to work to his benefit. The other thing, too, is a lot of those righty Dodgers bats are the ones who have been playing pretty well, and he's got that platoon split. So to me, I find Marquez, if he's priced accordingly, an interesting guy from this one. But if you can get relievers in there in any of your leagues, you know, off-site ones, if you can put in a guy, change your lineups or whichever, I'd be loading up on relief pitchers. I think these games really do come down to relief. Frankly, I should be rooting for a win from Knable or Jansen, probably. <laughs> so Marquez already has 221 strikeouts. That is tied for 10th in baseball. So presuming he gets even a couple, he's going to move up on that list. What an amazing season. And we already have been saying Kyle Freeland, arguably the best season ever for a Rocky starting pitcher. Marquez, I guess, essentially did what we thought John Gray was going to do each of the last two years. So uh, let me ask you a broad question here. Are we going to discount Rockies pitchers in the future? Because we're seeing this year that it didn't matter where they pitched. Um, I, I, I think we are. I think we should. And I, I think that the, the lesson here really is that they do actually need to be taken seriously, and they were not before. So I think it's a matter of whether we're overreacting to the season, that we're saying that Marquez has arrived as a bona fide superstar who's going to take another step forward and contend for the top 10. That's getting a little bit aggressive, which, I mean, we talked about that on the last show, where I, I think that it's going to be very difficult for a Rockies pitcher to get to those levels. But I think that for the first time, we can say three and maybe four Rockies pitchers are draft-worthy even in the shallow mixed leagues, and that's a pretty big statement. Definitely is. Um, any hitter, a name a hitter or two today you think is going to matter? Um, I'm going to throw Ryan Braun. I think Ryan Braun is a big final day. 
Okay, Ryan Braun, there it goes. How about you? Um, all right, let's. Uh, I was trying to think of like like it seems like Puig steps up in situations like this. He he only plays against right-handed pitching, which is weird. Basically, it's a platoon with Kemp who faces the lefties. I think Puig will be in there today. I think he'll do something special. Uh, interesting season for him. Jock Peterson is someone to watch. Kills right-handed pitching. Yep. Um, for the for the Rockies, obviously David Dahl. Has anyone been hotter in the final week of the season than David Dahl? Mm-hmm. What do you do with Dave? Where's David Dahl go next year? Like we have to assume at this point the Rockies make him a, a regular player. And you know, injuries aside, give him a chance for five hundred at least five hundred plate appearances. You're gonna rank? Can we rank David Dahl as a top twenty outfielder, or the durability just doesn't allow that? Ah. Uh- I could see a ceiling that gets in there. I don't think we should be ranking him that. And I don't think we should be drafting him as that. And I don't think anybody's going to have to. I think, frankly, he might find it difficult to get in the top 50. And and this is all assuming that they clear a regular spot, which I do think they're going to do. I still think it's going to be tough for him to get into the ADP beyond the, you know, like within the top 50, deep within that. Uh, in which case, I'm going to be on board. Uh, I think he'll be a streaky player. I think he'll have, you know, a pretty defined home road split. The Rockies have been a little iffy about using him against left-handed starting pitching, which really bothers me. They should be using him a lot. But I kind of like him. I'm, I'm leaning towards the optimistic side. Uh, more strikeouts and hits this season. Can't say that was surprising. Highest rate ever uh, for that. No singles. It's amazing the way baseball is trending. However, last year, 41 players hit 30 or more home runs. This year, only 27. And the inverse, the stolen bases, Last year, only six guys stole 30. This year, it was 11, and that includes the great Adalberto Mondesi, who was an unbelievable player in the second half of the season. 275 at-bats, 11 walks, 77K with power and tons of speed. 32 stolen bases in half a season. Yep. Uh, I know we've talked about him a lot. The power. So, obviously, there's tons of it, but 14 fewer players hit 30 home runs, and nobody approached what Stanton did last year. Your, your general thoughts on power and how we're going to view it next year. Is it the same as this year, or are you going to draft a little bit differently? Uh, I want to do a little bit of a deep dive on how the hard contact rates are, are uh, kind of affecting home run rates. Uh, I'd like to balance those two against each other. As a matter of fact, I mean, I, I, Eric, you and I had talked about this before. Um, a good piece on Fangraphs, Alex Chamberlain had written about this, talking about the fact that the hard contact rate is up significantly this year. So I want to take a little bit of a closer look and see how I feel about that. Because what I wonder is if the homer thresholds drop a little bit, as we saw hints of this season, and I think they might continue into next year, we do have to make a little bit of a, an adjustment. The thing that's making me very uh, interested in the power types is what you and I talked about maybe two or three months ago, and that is that the younger players are the ones who are setting higher bars. Guys in the minors are are coming up, and then they're hitting more homers there. We've talked about the the possibility of the baseball difference between the minors and the major leagues. I think that's going to be one of the areas in which I'm going to be buying pretty heavily in home runs. The other is, as you said, you mentioned Mondesi, stolen bases. You have to have a very defined stolen base strategy. Uh, This is Guys who can get to 10 stolen bases are worth uh, a bit more now than they used to if the leader in steals is going to finish somewhere between the 40 and 45 range. That's going to really inflate the value of the guys who get into the double digits in terms of stolen bases. makes it much easier to do a piece-it-together strategy, a guy with a little pop, a little bit of speed, and I think I'm going to go much more heavily on those guys who give you 2020 potential. I don't recall back in March hearing that Max Muncie of the Dodgers had greatly altered his approach at the plate. And we viewed it as, oh, let's watch out for Max Muncy. Nobody was thinking about Max Muncy in March or even in April. He ended up with 34 home runs. I think he's probably the most surprising 30 home run hitter this year. 
Um, Chris Davis of Oakland finished with 48. Is anybody more consistent than this guy? I, I was rooting for them, him to get taken out of the game so he would finish with a 247 batting average for the fourth consecutive year. Tristan, I know you do projections. If you don't project Chris Davis about 247 next year, we can no longer be friends. I don't understand you. That's right. I mean, that that's the safest projection there is in all of baseball. I know. I love it. That was one of my favorite quests was following him going for the 247. <laughs> I mean, come on. And he's not only that. I mean, it's three in a row of qualifying for the batting title with 247. And he had one where he felt felt a little short of that with that. And his career batting average is 248. Yeah. I mean, of course, it's going to be like 2473. Four, five, eight, seven is going to be my projection for next season. I just love that. I mean, neat little stats. By the way, he's increased his homer total in each of his major league seasons. It's going to be hard to do it again next year. It will <laughs> be mean, pretty tough. So he finished as the number 26 hitter on the player Raider and outside the top 50. And the reason why, it's not a great batting average. He did not attempt any stolen bases. But you know you're getting power. I mean, he gave you J.D. Martinez power. He scored runs. He just mm-hmm. didn't give you any batting average or any stolen bases. I mean, it's not Joey Gallo but or J.D. Martinez. It's somewhere in between. That's good enough for me. That sounds like a fifth-round pick. I want to rank him in the fifth round. That feels like the spot where you would put a consistent power hitter. Is that like too Nelson late Cruz. for him? Might be. Might be. I mean, who's safer for home runs? Honestly. Yeah, I mean, my initial um, other... draft did have him in the top 40 overall. So I think the case can be made that even there, you're underrating him. I probably am. Um, other surprises, Max Muncy, obviously, that's that's a monster surprise. Matt Carpenter, his season was strange. Trevor Story with 36 home runs, 27 steals. Unbelievable. Um, Javier Baez, Reese Hoskins did what he was supposed to do, which to a lot of people was a little disappointing. Alex Bregman, you ever think he was going to have 30 home runs this quickly? With more walks than Ks? How about that? Not a lot of guys have more walks than Ks. More surprised by that part than the power. CJ Crone and David Peralta had 30 home runs. We should know Charlie Blackman can still get there. He plays today. Um, On the pitching side, um, a lot of guys with 200 strikeouts. 18 pitchers had 200 strikeouts, including Jose Barrios, Mike Fultonevich, James Paxton, despite, you know, the concerns about durability, made 28 starts. Four Indians did it. <laughs> That's just incredible to me. You want Four another incredible Indians. part of that? What else? There were only 13 pitchers who got to 200 innings pitched. Was that more or less than last year? I thought that was about it was the same. It was two less right. than last year. But right. your point about strikeouts, the fact that it is now much easier to get to 200 strikeouts than it is to get to 200 innings in a strikeout-rich game uh, that influences your pitching strategy. And to me, the big takeaway on that is it makes it much more important for you to be maximizing your K potential in each start. This is one of the, the reasons... Uh, for, we've talked about some of the pitch-to-contact guys. I mean, Wade Miley's the first one that comes to my mind. You obviously aren't going to look at him as a draft guy for next season. He was a matchups play late in the year, and he was a good one because he was out there. But that's the kind of guy who should be out there, who should get through drafts not being taken, just because you need the K guys nowadays. You can fill the and gaps with argue, Wade Miley's in here. Absolutely. I would argue this, okay, and I'm looking at the ERA leaders. Jake DeGrom, 1.70 ERA, 10 wins. Lucas Giolito, 6.61 ERA with the same 10 wins. But <laughs> I would debate that like, Miles Michaelis won 18 games for the Cardinals, finished 7th in ERA, tremendous whip, didn't walk anybody. But that K rate is so low, he's probably going to be on my do-not-draft list next year because you can't afford, if you have six starting pitchers and one of them is striking out 100 fewer than, you know, the leaders, that's a hard guy to roster, isn't it? Yep. 
It definitely is, yeah. Unless, and that's another one of those things where I talk about just diving into the numbers. If I can find something about, you know, missing bats but not getting the full strikeout uh, potential there. And I do believe that Giolito was was one of those examples last year where he was very unlucky in terms of case. But the problem was even the swinging strike rate wasn't a great number during his decent finish to last season. So you need to have a guy who shows great ability there and mediocre. It's kind of like that ERA whip thing that you and I have talked about uh, year over year. Swinging strike versus K percentage. Important. Michael is not the only guy. Trevor Williams of Pittsburgh who finished 13th in ERA. No strikeouts. Hard to draft a guy like that. Um, John Lester's K rate. How about that? I didn't, I, Kyle Hendricks's K rate dropped quite a bit. Um, you know, Dallas Keiko. It's hard to draft a guy like Dallas Keiko, assuming 15 wins and a decent ERA and whip, which didn't even happen. But mm-hmm. you know you're not getting strikeouts. Guys like that just can't be on my list of players I want to draft. I'm sorry. Um, what else? All right, let's move on to some other stuff. Let's get some sound in here. Let's do the combo meals for the week. Hey, it's a combo meal. All right, since our last show, here are the players that had combo meals. Manuel Margot, which I thought was ironic since he was one of my big sleepers this season and a terrible season. Uh, <laughs> Why is it Travis that you Shaw? and I, all of our picks are coming down to the end on that one? I mean, like Marquez is the guy I sung the praises of and Kevin Gaussman, I'm watching him yesterday. You know where I'm at on Gaussman, and those are the guys that are swinging towers. It's like it's, like it's fate for us. <laughs> Travis Shaw, Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story, what an amazing season. Adalberto Mondesi, what an amazing half season. He won people leagues. If you picked up picked yep. up Mondesi, you got your 32 steals in like two and a half months. Yep. Uh, Ildemaro Vargas. Yeah. Tell us all you know about Ildemaro Vargas, Tristan. I do know that he uh, plays baseball, that he hit his first home run for the Diamondbacks the other day. He did it against a pitcher that uh, badly influenced their ERA, which, I, which helped me in the standings a bit. And I think that's about the extent of my knowledge. Also, Jose Perella and Teoscar Hernandez. Want the season root leaders? Uh, Trout, Story, Mondesi. Well done. Mookie. Seven Mookie. Trout, Story, six, Mondesi, six. And then it's four for four guys. They were Christian Yelich, Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez, and Ronald Acuna Jr. Mondesi did that in half a season. Yep. I just can't get over this. It's extraordinary. I, I, can't, wait to, I can't wait to see where you have him ranked. I understand that the the the... the, the Plate discipline does not bode well, but this is Trey Turner. Yeah, well, this is Trey Turner, Tristan. N- yeah, he's not. We're, we're not. We're not going to get there. We're, we're not going to get counting close. numbers. We're still not going to get the batting average is not going to be the same. I mean, you could spot me. I, I could spot you twenty five points, and I'm and I'm going to take Trey Turner there. Oh um, yeah, I'll say I'll say two fifty. But but right. I'll put I'll put it this way, and and I've been hinting at this for several weeks now. I mean, this is one of the most critical parts of the homework assignment in terms of player research. I'm going to need a, a firm stand on him, and right now it was in that one twenty five ish overall range. It's pretty I good. I have to make room. It's that's still amazing. I will make room for him in my top hundred, just on the chance that he goes that he bats two fifty with fifteen home runs and fifty steals, and he could eclipse all those numbers. Sure. So he will be in my top hundred. He won't be where Trey Turner is in round two, of course, but he'll be. But does Turner you know, belong in round two? Is is another question. Um, certainly not round one. Yeah, that, see the, the the tough part too is that. Exactly how we react to this decline, this overall league decline in stolen bases when, is going to. When we thought he was going to steal fifty bases, he was a second round pick, but he didn't steal fifty bases. Mm-hmm. He stole forty three bases and batted mm-hmm. two seventy one. Yep, man, you know what? 
I know. I don't want to get into it, but the I difference in Turner and Mondesi is not going to be that great for me. Turner might be around three and Mondesi in round eight. I'll still I tell you like that. Today, I would take that bet hands down, take the I'm five sure categories, and I will spot you 25 points of batting average. I would take I'll that take in a that. second. I would take 25 points of batting average. We've got a dinner a year from now on Mondesi versus Turner. Awesome. <laughs> um, all right, so those are the combo meals. Any of these guys, uh, I mean, I can't project great things for Manuel Margot next year. I just was just a terrible season. I, you know, I was wrong. I didn't, I, I thought he'd steal 30 bases. I thought, I thought he was a 15 homer, 30 steal guy, and he is not. He so, showed some hints at times this year, but there was just way too much inconsistency, and the bad really outweighed the good, even during the positive stretches. That's really bothersome to me. I mean, the one takeaway I can have for him positively is at least he maintained the good contact rate, but you need more than that. Yeah, he'll he'll be a guy I take. I try to take for like five dollars in labor next year. I don't know if he'll, he'll probably go for more than that, but if I'm even in labor next year, we'll see. Um, what else we need to do? Or uh, farewells? How about uh, not only us, but Adrian Beltre? Hey, um, optimism. <laughs> we'll Joe be back. Mauer. Well, we're not retiring. From I know. I'm announcing my comeback. For oh wait, I wouldn't be coming back. I haven't taken a year off. I'm announcing my triumphant return to baseball next season. Beltre Maurer, who, who caught for one uh, one pitch. Hunter Pence, David Wright. I'm sure I'm forgetting other players who we're probably not going to see again in the future. But these guys were really valuable in fantasy. I mean, Joe Maurer, when he was a catcher winning batting titles, I mean, that was – was he a first-round – he was a borderline first-round pick in leagues back then. Well, he, he disappointed a lot of times on the draft pick there, but there was the one season, and it was 09, and I remember it vividly because... 28 home runs. Yeah, because uh, he he was he thrived. He was the only guy who ever had a positive story as a Twins player in Yankee Stadium. It was the new stadium, and I remember he hit, he, he hit one into Monument Park that year that I remember thinking, wow, something has changed for this dude. It, you know, that guy's had a much better career than people have given him credit for. He really I has. saw someone tweeted out, if you compare Maurer and Jeter's numbers, they're pretty similar. Um, I'm not shocked know, by that. Think... Oh, did you mention Adam Jones? Wait, is he retiring or just going to another team? He's a free agent, but that was another yeah, one where they retiring. were doing the tip of the cap. Like, yeah, I mean, Adam Jones and Nelson Cruz, I think, are playing next year. I'm pretty sure David Wright is not. Hunter Pence is probably He's not. not. Wright's done. Um, Beltre, I think it's time for him. I mean, he did what he could do. He's a Hall of Famer. How about some other sound? A brief closer carousel. The, the closer, closer All right, the uh, the top relief pitcher on the player radar, uh, it was Edwin Diaz, but not by much. He basically beat out Blake Trinan by like one strikeout. <laughs> you realize how close it was <laughs> yes, between Diaz and Trinan? I mean, Diaz had an amazing season, 1.96 ERA, 124 strikeouts, 0-4 record, but 57 saves. Trinan basically won nine more games than Diaz, and that's how he almost caught him on the player radar. But the ERA, lowest ever for a pitcher, was 75 innings. That's a lot of innings. Um, next, let me ask you, and Kimbrell was third. Kenley Jansen was fourth. Wade Davis was fifth. Kudos to Kenley Jansen. Your... What's that? Kudos to Kenley Jansen. A very difficult oh, yeah, yeah. season to be fourth among relief pitchers on the player radar when he had so much criticism on times from coming back uh, at the beginning of the year. His velocity was down and everything. He put up some extraordinary numbers in a tough you know, in tough, challenging circumstances. I think that's the top tier of closers. Um, what's your order for Diaz, Trinan, Kimbrell, and Jansen next year? So my first draft has it as Jansen, Diaz, Kimbrell, uh, Felipe Vazquez is my four. I actually don't have to break Trinan in my top five, but I'm probably going to squeeze him in there. I, I think I'm going to put him at six behind Chapman. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, 
Two Brewers made the top ten on the final player radar among relief pitchers, and none of them was Corey Knavel. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. And Knavel's been the good Brewers down the stretch. Knavel's pitched well. Um, give me uh, the order of saves for the Brewers relief pitchers next year and the order on the player radar. Because it may be different. Yeah, and I think it will be different. That's All right. Uh, so in terms of order of saves, I will go with Jeffress... Knable, hater. Uh, I think Corbin Burns is going to be making a push for the rotation, so I can't mix him in there. So in case people are wondering why I left him out. I think in terms of the player rate, though, hater will win this. I think Jeffress is going to be second. I think Knable is going to be third. I think I it's, think gonna it's be really hard for somebody to do what Hater did again. And Hater hasn't looked all that great in the final weeks of the season. True. I'm going to say Knable gets the job back and gets pretty much all the saves. Hader mm-hmm. finishes second on the Raider, and Jeffress is probably left out. He's probably the seventh inning guy. That's what I think is going to happen. I could see That's it. how I will rank them in the drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, anything else we need to do here in the first yeah, half of our show? The, so I want to throw a couple other things we mentioned about the free agency. We're just going to hit uh, closers hard. Uh, that's another okay. thing to definitely keep in mind for next season. The other one, too, is I want to ask you about this. Did you know that Ryan Stanek had 29 starts this year? Good. That's Well, I was, you know. Interesting season, obviously. It was an interesting like, season, but do you think that it's the kind of thing we're going to have to make a, a a noticeable reaction to coming into next year with this whole advent of the opener? We're going to we see it today. Well, we're going to see it today or tomorrow, probably. Yeah, Dan Jennings. I don't know. I I don't think it matters in fantasy. I, like you don't want Ryan Stanek on your team. Now you, he has starter and relief pitcher eligibility in some leagues. That would you know you know matter, right? But. I, I don't think it's – he won two games. He, he made 29 starts. It's never been a season like this. 29 starts, 30 relief appearances, yep. two wins. Yep. I, I, I think you can make a case for who is the middle-inning guy for Tampa who should have been a starter, that lefty. Ron he Yarbrough. won like 15 games. Yarbrough, I think, in fantasy, I'm still not going to want him. I mean, I'm not going to want to draft. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to rank him next year. Are you? <laughs> I'm th- I actually I did. It was low. Uh, I don't think it was going to be within the range of draftability in the shallow mixed leagues. But anything you get to twelve or or more teams or the onlys, I think he's definitely going to be a draft asset there because I think this is going to be a, a strategy that that gets leaned on a little bit more in the majors. And I, I do wonder. I think when March comes, we're all going to be talking about the fact that this this steals wins from the pool. It's a category still in traditional roto. If this is stealing wins, because those guys, the Ryan Stanicks, have literally no chance at getting a win in those games. The other problem is that it's taking quality start potential away from these other guys, so that influences the leagues that now use quality starts instead. Another thing definitely to keep in mind there. And there was, um, what was the other one that was the... Well, that, that only helps the aces. I mean, that means a top 20 starting pitcher is worth more than it was going into this. Yes, season. exactly. All right. It, it, I, I think it is going to tilt things a little bit, and your pitching strategy is going to become all the more important as a result of this. But I don't, know, I just, I don't like the idea that the wins get stolen away from these guys. That's give me a name or worse. two to watch for saves next season. I've got to watch for saves next season. Yeah, that people aren't thinking about right now. Maybe you know, like we don't know. Obviously, players are going to switch teams. But I'm going to say yep. this: Trevor May of the Twins, Kirby yeah. Yates of the Padres, Leclerc of Texas. We all know. Mm-hmm. I think these are closers next year. I think Trevor May has a shot to be a, a top ten closer next year. I like. Yeah, him. I, I I've always liked him. I I want to see him get an opportunity. I, I I wonder a little bit about whether the monster gets a chance again sometime down the road. Coda Glover. Uh, and let me Fernando see. Fernando Rodney too. He could end up somewhere else. He got some saves. I'm so out there. 
He's going to be, what, 44, 45 now? <laughs> you know, someday when you turn that 43. age, you may not be so eager to dismiss. All right, I that's know. the first half of our show. Coming up after this, your hash browns as we finish it up. All right, there's that music for one last time. And uh, amazing. I, I basically tweeted this out a half hour before the show started, and I look at all the replies I got. So I'm going to go quickly here. Love it. Try to get as many names in as I can, if that's okay with you. Go for it. All right, quickly, Casey Unrath says, I f- keep forever league, Trevor Bauer versus Jack Flaherty. Flaherty, right? Mm, not necessarily. Bauer's a very well, good pitcher there. 28 Bauer versus 23. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's that's five years. That's why. <laughs> that's why. And I, I think I might even have Flaherty ranked in the same spot as Bauer. Now, they're both top 20 starting pitchers to me. I, have I probably ought Bauer 20. ranked a little bit better for next yep. year. Mm-hmm. But and a forever keeper, you got to go with the National League guy who's five years younger, don't you? I think so. I, I would think so. I, I think that's pretty close, though. I, I like Bauer, and I think he's going to be locked in for the next several years. And that's the other thing, too, with pitchers, is that do we really believe you're going to want to keep them five-plus consecutive years? Things can happen. That's another thing. Though. Yeah, you know, that's important, too. Like, don't overrate pitch starting pitchers in keeper leagues, and especially closers, because things change so quickly. I'll probably uh, Bauer all right. That's fair. You're wrong. That's okay. Nick be- writes, uh, I love Otani. I'm planning on keeping him, but is any of the success fueled by infrequent batting causing teams to not game plan around him, or is the real deal at DH? Otani's not going to pitch in 2019, Tristan. Give me over-under on, is it bats or a PA, homers, RBI, and steals? Um, I-, I think today, without the post-surgery prognosis, it's wise to set the PA over-under at roughly 375 to 400. So where do you rank a guy that's only going to bat that many times? I mean, can he hit 20 home runs? Can he steal 12 bases? I think he can. I think he can, yeah. I think he, he was pretty legit this year. As far as the game-planning strategy, that, I've wondered that myself. Um, but the thing I like about Otani so much is that he's he's quick to make adjustments himself. So even though there might be a little bit of a down period because he does have a lot of swing and miss in his game, and he, he did back to Japan... I do think he can make those adjustments and rebound from it fairly quickly. I, I think that the, that the projection this year, if you shave a little bit off the batting average, that's the way you should treat him. And treat it as you would a hitter who's not going to be playing every day. By like, the way, if I, had him, if I had him in a keeper league, I would try to t- trade him. I bet you can get a lot for Otani, even knowing that he's not going to pitch in 2019. I just I wonder, even in, tw- in 2020, is he really going to make... 28 starts and bat 450 times? I'm skeptical. I'm not trying to be mean or anything. It just seems, whether it's injury or performance or we don't even know who the manager will be, I'm just a little bit skeptical. We don't even know where he, where Pima pitched for, will be one, right? I mean, he's not going to be an angel for life. Maybe. I, right. I'm just, right. I'm saying it seems a little too good to be true that this guy can make 28 starts and bat 450 times. So if you find somebody in your league that wants this guy, I mean, he's great. He's a fantastic player. But I'm not going to rank him in my top 100 for 2019 because all we're getting is 375 at-bats, right? Right. I can't put him in my top 100 either. I, I I think you make a good point here that if that is the perception of him long-term, that's the if it's anything close to that in terms of the trade return, I'm with you. I think you do have to cash in that chip because what he's doing is extraordinary and it's fun and I love watching it and I hope he comes back and plays all 162 oh, or yeah. is available Great. active for all of them. But we got to be realistic here. It is so hard to do what he is doing. 
Uh, Andy writes, um, Trevor Story, can you make a case that he's the number two shortstop off the board next year? So I think, if you look at the Raider, Francisco Lindor is a first-round pick. Um, Javier Baez is probably second-round pick. Trey Turner probably second. Manny Machado, I think he's probably a first-round pick. Bregman, you can make the case as a first-round pick. Where does Story fit in there? Do you think he's going to steal this many bases again? Because that's a big part of this. Yeah, and if we want to... I mean, for, t- I can't put him second. There's just too many, too many extremely appealing players at this position, uh, and the multi eligibles have a, a little bit to do with that. But if I'm going to, to challenge one of those guys that we mentioned, I'd put Story up against Turner based on the importance of stolen bases, either in the player raider or to your own strategy. And I'd put him against Javier Baez, who also has a little bit of a questionable approach at the plate. You know, like the plate discipline is at least a little bit uncertain. Story has a lot of swing and miss. There could be some variability to the batting average. But the other names we mentioned are very safe there. I, I just I can't take Story alongside or ahead of them. I think there's, I think there's six shortstops in the top 20. On the overall top 20, all those guys I mentioned are first or second round picks. And remarkable. Lindor and Machado, first round. Bregman, Turner, Baez, Story, second round. That's amazing. Remarkably, that's excluding names that we would have thought as an automatic top 25 overall picks in the past. Carlos Correa, Correa, Seager. Seager. Yeah. How about that? Yep. It is a rich position, as we forecasted a few years ago. I think you can make a case for story number two there. I don't think I will. But I think I could. I I, I got to take Machado. See, now, why would I take Machado over Story when Story stole all these bases? Like, it's a, I think it's a you fair can make point. that point. It's a fair point. I, Machado ain't doing that. I think he is. I, right. I think Machado's an exceptional baseball player. But that's yeah, that's yeah just, but he's not stealing. He's not stealing 26 bases, Tristan. Do we he's think Story's stealing 26? No, I'd probably project about 13 for Story. So probably about half. That's but I don't think Machado's hit. even stealing that many. That's a big hit. All right. It is. Um, next, Matt Cummins. What do we do with Miguel Sano? Is this a lost season, or do we expect 30, 35 home runs next year? Man, what do we do with Sano? I, I, I don't want to say I'm writing him off, but he's definitely not in my top 100 next year. Like, I don't even know where you, where do you rank Miguel Sano? Where, like, that is such a risky pick at this point, because you can still get good power hitters in round 15. Is that where Miguel Sano goes? Yeah, I mean, like, I had him 143, which is the 15th round in our standard game. That's in Max Muncy land. That's that's near Jerks and Profar. That's near Travis Shaw. Yeah, I mean, wow, Travis Shaw's not in your top 100. That's interesting. No. I Well, I, I need to see exactly how they, they structure that infield. And if Shaw does play for another team next year, the ballpark. I, I need to see All what right. the scenario is for the Brewers infielder, uh, infield first before I can move. And I'd move him up maybe 20, 25 spots. Miguel Sano versus Miguel Andujar next year. Mm, that's a good question. Because both have questions. Sano can defense. do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sano can do what Andujar just did. They are kind of the exact opposite of each other because Andujar is a great contact approach and Sano is a terrible one. But the power is. So, so Sano hits 250. But you know he can hit 30. You can hit 40 home runs. I don't think he'll get to 250. Time. Do you think he'll get to 250? I'm not even sure he gets to 250 at-bats. I'm, I, you know, the problem with Sano is he can't stay on the field. Yeah. I think he's 235 and 30 in a reasonably good scenario next year. Dan Hoppin writes, uh, I can keep two out of Acuna, Soto, Snell, and Mookie. Wow. Acuna, All right, Soto, so Snell, and Mookie. Okay. Mookie has to be kept, and Snell has to be dropped. You don't keep a pitcher over Acuna. I think it's Acuna and Betts. 
I don't see Soto stealing a lot of bases, and that's the differentiator in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, how can I, honestly, how can I argue with that? By the way, uh, Mookie Betts, if I've done my little play index correctly, first player in history to go 30-30 and win a batting title. What a great season. You know what? Why are we going to, are we going to automatically make Trout the first pick next year? Why can't it be Mookie? It will. You have Mookie first? Yep. Don't you? Oh, well. I don't have a top 10. I mean, I'm thinking about it, but like, Here's me who's talking more likely? The problem is, who's more likely to repeat their season, Trout or Mookie? It's Trout. Uh, Trout, the thing that I love about Trout is that the rates, the, the average uh, on-base slugging are so remarkably consistent, but the team influence around those, because Mookie is so good himself and he provides the stolen base punch too, I gotta take the team there. The team is going to Trout have... Trout just had his best season. Mike Trout literally just had his best season for wins above replacement. And he had a DL steal, yeah, which wasn't yes, really his fault. I know. He missed uh, 22 games, 39 homers, 24 steals. Now, it's maybe not his best fantasy season. But his rates, highest on base, what an unbelievable, highest OPS, what an amazing player. Trout is just right, awesome. Yeah. He just is. There's no other word he for it. Awesome. Um, Alex Anillion, strong preference between keeping Rendon or Syndergaard, 18 dynasty points. He's already keeping Scherzer and Verlander. I, I I think it's Rendon if you're already keeping Scherzer and Verlander there, right? But it would be Rendon anyway for me. I have concerns that Syndergaard doesn't make 30 starts. Uh, I, I most certainly do as well. Uh, I wanted to get you the points breakdown for him, so let me dig that up a second. Rendon is not... Yeah, I mean, to run the points thing, it's... Syndergaard finished... Uh, in the top 100 in terms of total points, he was the number 31 starting pitcher, despite all that missed time. And the thing in the points leagues is that I do go with a pitching-heavy strategy. I, Eric, I totally get where you're coming from here on the injury concern. I, I don't have a problem with keeping Andy, Anthony Rendoni's just safer. But Cindergard's per-game upside is pretty great. I agree with that. I just don't want to take the chance. Let me see where, back uh, in. Let me see where Rendon was for points. Rendon had a really underrated season. He's a really good player. Rendon, He's not going to hit 35 home runs or winning batting title, but look at the numbers. He was 33rd overall in terms of total points. He was fourth among third basemen behind Jose Ramirez, Alex Bregman, and Nolan Arenado. Wow, Miguel Anderhar was fifth. <laughs> you know, Rendon, with, this is his second second of year with an OPS over 900. Uh, batted 300 again. Now, it's only 24 home runs, I say only. Third straight year and four out of five, he's hit 20 home runs, but never more than 25. So you're not going to get 35 homers, but you're getting a safe player who hits for average. Really good player. All right. He um, is a really good player. Very underrated, I think. Michael Collins, uh, head, five by five head to head categories league, um, $260 budget, quality starts instead of wins. Verlander is $33, Granky is $23. Are they worth those prices? Probably. They're, they're, I'd say they both are worth it, and if you had to choose one, I mean, he's ten dollars cheaper. Verlander's a lot better, though, isn't he? Uh, I mean, a, a lot, you know, I say, is he ten dollars better? I mean, maybe he I don't is. Know if he's ten dollars better, but like Verlander was the number two pitcher in the player rater, which obviously different categories than what this guy's using. Granky was fifteenth. There's a significant difference there. Yeah. See, see, the thing with this one is that. Um, I think they're priced appropriately. The inflation in that league is going to drive them up so that they're both worth keeping. 
in which case I do generally want the better pitcher, so I'd take Verlander. At the same time, I mean, I'd have to get a scope of your whole league to see whether people have these outrageously, you know, bargain-priced players. I might be tempted to throw them both back and see what else I could get out there. Um, Jeff Rathburn, does Vlad Jr. have the glove to stick at third base long-term? If you are going into a keeper league, now, Vlad might already be owned in your league, but if you're going into a keeper league, that makes Vlad more attractive for fantasy, obviously, because if he's if it's a one year league and we think he might sit, you know, in the minors in April, you know, that's different. But I think he sits like two weeks. It's like Chris Bryant a couple years ago. But do you are you concerned about the fact that he could be just a DH by like his third year in the league? That's certainly possible for Vlad Guerrero. Does that make you think twice about taking him in a keeper or the nut monster? He's going to be like. I mean, this is like uh, David Ortiz or Nelson Cruz. You, you don't shy away from those guys in their prime. So why would you shy away from him? You know why I kind of like the Ortiz comp is because of the extraordinary contact ability to go along with the raw power. Uh, I mean, it makes him a legitimate contender for both the batting title and the home run crown, which is very, very rare nowadays. I think this is one of the best prospects and the most exciting I've ever seen. So I'm on board. I don't care if he's a DH. And you and I have mentioned this before. The only time that this whole DH only thing really mattered, and it does matter in an auction if you lock up the spot, it keeps you from bidding on certain players. I get it. But the only time that this ever mattered was, I think it was 14, or maybe it was 15, 2014, 2015, the year that we had 11 DH onlys. And that is absolutely not the case coming into next year. Well, you mentioned this in the last show, but obviously Nelson Cruz and Otani, anyone else? Uh, the DH page has Cruz, Otani, and Gaddis. Uh, Victor Martinez retiring, Gattis. Matt Holiday presumably retiring, but yeah, just those three. All right. Going through all my tweets here, basically live. Wow, the Phillies replied to my tweet. You know what? Wow. I, Beautiful. I have no angst whatsoever. Obviously, the last six weeks were bad. But 80 wins, you know? 80 wins is kind of cool. They were relevant. People were talking about my team. That was fun. It wasn't fun in September. But it was fun. And to be a Braves fan, congrats to them. What an amazing yeah. season for the Braves. It all came together. I mean, you didn't think Acuna was going to do this, did you? I mean, that's just an amazing no. season. We thought he could. And we mentioned that we thought he could. I and mean, we, we made the Benintendi discussion that he could have an impact like that. But this is this is extraordinary. I mean, Acuna Acuna's all, all credit to Juan Soto for how great he was this year. I mean, Acuna's the rookie of the year. Acuna was great in so many regards. I mean, Acuna batted... Well, he had 487 PA. That's that's a lot. It's not 600, but it's a lot anyway. Yep. But what an amazing... He was the number 15 outfielder on the player rater for the season. Number 16 outfielder. And I'm going to rank him in my top 10 outfielders for next year. You Don't should. you have to? Yes, you should. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, briefly, uh, who wins the World Series? <laughs> Yankees? You're going to take the Yankees, aren't you? I'm, I'm going to take the Cleveland Indians. I am too. I have Cleveland getting out of the American League and finally winning it all. That rotation, you put Bauer in middle relief, you use him whenever you need. I think, yeah, with I think the save. <laughs> I like that. Hey, uh, I, I actually think the World Series is the Astros-Indians division series. <laughs> okay. The winner of that wins the World Series. Okay. I uh, I can see that. Who gets out of the National League? What a crazy... You know, the Braves are the most rested team, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and... I mean, that makes matter? me... Probably not. It, well, I, I wasn't... Imp- I mean, you know, Fulton Avich was great in that game on Friday, I think it was. Uh, but I, I wasn't impressed by any of the other starters over the past couple of weeks. So that worries me a little bit. I, I want to pick the Brewers. 
I actually want to pick the Milwaukee Brewers to win the National League, but it's well, so hard with that rotation. Milwaukee. Well, it doesn't. All you got to do is get three or four innings out of them. You know, I mean, then you can you can employ Hater wherever you want. Bauer could be like Hater. I think Cleveland, Milwaukee, that'd be fun. Um, award winners: Do you have Yelich and Mookie? Yelich and Mookie for MVP. Without Although a some doubt, some people say shouldn't. Shut, a lot of I don't think he's going to get a lot of support, but Degrom, you can make the case. I mean, he won Roar. Mm-hmm. Um, Cy Young Award: Degrom and Snell. Or it's a lot of people think Verlander will win it because it's a lot more innings. Some people have Sale, even though he didn't, you know, qualify for the ERA title. Yeah, AL Cy Young is going to be that's going to be the really debated uh, award. I mean, we might hear a little Trout versus Betts for AL MVP, but Betts won the the WAR race, so for me, it's him. Uh, I think it has to be Betts. Yeah, I agree. It's Blake Snell for me, and it's Degrom. I mean, Degrom's season was season was extraordinary. Somebody even had pointed out what how many earned runs he'd have to give up. Uh, in one, in like his next innings pitched in order to equal Max Scherzer's ERA, and Max Scherzer had a great year. The crazy thing is, Aaron Nola had more WAR than Jacob Degrom. How? I mean, come on. I'll say this: if if Degrom had finished eight and nine instead of ten and nine, I'm not so sure he would have won it because there's a lot of people that aren't that smart who vote for this stuff. I, I think he'll win. He, I think he, it's unanimous now. All right, and people don't want to be embarrassed. By oh, I don't think it's unanimous. Him. You think it's unanimous? Oh, I th- I, yeah, I think it's gonna be. Yeah, now it is. I, I do not. So. I do not think all three it will be of those NL East teams missed the playoffs, and uh, top rookies Acuna has to beat out Soto. And um, actually, I mean, you got to give some credit to Walker Bueller and Jack Flaherty in that race. I think you do, you do. But they they would have had to have had like amazing seasons, like better than this. Yep. They would have had to have made like thirty starts, throwing two hundred innings, and they just didn't. Acuna, I mean, these numbers for Acuna are crazy as a rookie. Yep. And Ota- I think Otani has to win it in the American League. Oh man, season. you're killing me. You know, I was go- I voted like a month ago on MLB stuff for like uh, for Glaber, Glaber yeah. Torres, but I mean, Otani's offensive numbers, Tristan, are unbelievable. And he gave you, you know, the innings me. he gave you. I, it's got to be him. You know why you're killing me? He's going to win it. He's going to win. I, it. I wrote down the same thing. I wrote down Shohei Otani as my rookie of the year. I mean, I'll give you this. Glaber Torres had more hitting war, you know, offensive player war. Joey yes. Wendell had more. Joey Wendell, by the way, had a really good year for a rookie. But I agree with you. It's Otani. And you know what? When it's a close race, I, I, I'm going to sound like an idiot for saying this. Sorry, I'll end, I'll end my year being an idiot. I, I think that who goes down on that trophy, you know, their long-term prognosis i think comes into play here this is the bryce harper argument the one year he won rookie year in a close race is that if the guy's got a huge career ahead of him and it's close i'm giving it to that guy and it's otani all right um Fiber we're done. A great career of course but what a season thank you so much to everybody who made this show happen not just to my friend tristan uh producer anthony colada who i met once but what an amazing season um you know, uh, when we got to March, we, we didn't know who was going to produce the show, and Anthony did a great job. Thank you. Um, thanks to our editorial watchdog, Leo Howell, Go Swans. Um, to our excellent researcher, Kyle Sapi, who was with us. Even when he wasn't on the show, he was still providing us help and research and notes. We're glad you're here. Uh, keep kicking butt in football and in hoops. Uh, thanks, AJ Mass, for helping us out this season. Uh, to the other editorial watchdogs who at times were forced into duty. I think we proved that we didn't always need one, but that's okay. Um, to the suits at ESPN for letting us talk. The advertisers that gave us things to read and on occasion some free things as well. We thank them. Um, that Congrats to everybody who won your league. Tristan, I was hoping you would sing like We Are the Champions. <laughs> I can like sing that. it for you if you want, but we're not actually champions yet. And that's going to jinx the race going on here. I want to double thank up the listeners here. Thank you to the listeners. This show is nothing without the listeners. 
I want to double up. Thank yeah. you to, the, to Anthony for for pressing all the buttons here and send us right through to the end here. You're in this crazy race just like we are. We got to double up the thank yous to Kyle. I don't think that guy sleeps. I really don't think he sleeps. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, like, Kyle has done so much to give us uh, the notes for the show. I mean, it keeps things going. And, frankly, the most important, I've, I'm sorry I'm leaving this for last, Eric. You're last but not least in my book. Thank you, of course, for keeping this whole thing running. I mean, I'll tell you, this machine wouldn't uh, stay oiled without you. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, we need you to keep winning leagues or else nobody will listen to the show. <laughs> root for Herman Marquez. That, you know right. what, I'll, give, I'll give Steve a thank you for making this the most interesting race I've ever seen in the past week. It has been a real crazy ride, and good luck. We'll see how things go later this afternoon. This is going to be a crazy finish, and I'm sure you can follow on Twitter how this thing plays out. <laughs> all right, that is all. We are done. Please have an awesome off-season. Everything is awesome. Darkness. We are the champions, my friend. <laughs> oh, Can I hop in? The theme song for the Fantasy Focus was created and performed by Eric Hutchinson. Check out more of his music at erichutchinson.com. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Focus. For more great podcasts, log on to the iTunes Music Store or Pod Center at ESPNRadio.com.